You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC, season two, episode three, uh, continuing on in our misquoted series. Uh, continuing on in our conversation on some key biblical texts that uh, we like to throw out there uh, commonly, that they're well-known kind of culturally. Uh, but as we have been learning, uh, sometimes the way that they are presented are, shall we say, less than accurate, perhaps, to their intended purpose. And so, uh, as always, hi, I'm Joel here joining you along with uh, Angie and Chris, uh, continuing our conversation in misquoted. So Chris, how about you just set us up? Let's just rock and roll on this one. Uh what's what's our text? What's the what's the title and what are we uh, what are we chopping up today? Absolutely. So today uh is the week 3 of this uh, series that we've been talking through. Uh today's is not so much a verse that's been taken directly out of context, but more of a cliche or a phrase that we tend to use. The phrase we tend to use in as followers of Jesus is the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle. God isn't going to give you more than you can handle. And, and I think we mean well when we say this, and I think people's intent is, hey, listen, you can do this. God's with you. God's for you. He's not giving you more than you can handle. Uh, in reality, that's that's just not accurate. And so today's podcast, I'd like to talk a little bit about where that comes from, possibly. Uh, take take a look at a deeper meaning of where we get that in Scripture, but also let's highlight some ways that I don't think that's very accurate. Can, can I start with the very fact that if God will not give us more than we can handle, then then explain that one to the disciples. Uh, explain that one to uh, Paul, the, you know, a, a key critical apostle in the New Testament who was beheaded. Uh, Peter, who was crucified upside down on a cross. James, taken to the top of the temple, chucked off it, right? Lives, and then come find out, uh, oh, wait, he's alive. Well, let's beat him with a club yeah, until he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's sitting there going, no, yeah, I got this. I, I can handle this. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm being given anything more than I can handle. Yeah, exactly. Matthew put to death by a sword. Mark dragged to death. Luke hanged from a tree. Philip tortured by being impaled by iron hooks and then hung upside down to die. Nathan, uh, Nathaniel filleted with a whip. Uh, Andrew whipped and then crucified on a cross. Thomas stabbed with a spear, Matthias stoned and then beheaded, and so on and so on and so on, and Fox's Book of Martyrs and so on and so on. I don't see any of them saying, yeah, I, this is, I, I'm i fine. I'm good. Right. Uh, I can handle all this. And yet we come up with this phrase, and you see it posted on social media. You see it on all the different socials. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you, I know you're going through a tough season, uh, but just know that God is not going to give you more than you can handle. And, and the reality is... Uh, it's not true. That's just not true. So my my question also is if if that were true, then what is our need for God? I mean, isn't part of the the whole equation here that there is so much that we need God because there is so much that we can't handle. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're not we're not set up to uh, on our own overcome sure. uh, all of the challenges that may present themselves. Well, I think it's terribly misleading because at, at best it's tr- 
it's expected that if that is the case, then I'm probably not going to lose my job. Uh, that family member who's struggling with a health issue, I, that, that wouldn't be the case then. Um, you know, I, I won't face abuse. You know, there's so many people that are dealing with abuse in their background. And if God wouldn't give me more than, my, more than I can handle, then, then what do I do with that? And I think it becomes misleading. It becomes confusing to the person uh, because I think in an essence, we would all say, well, that is way more than I can handle. I, I think it presents itself with some pretty unrealistic expectations. Uh, if we use this phrase, God will not give me more than I can handle, then even though it's meant for encouragement, I think it, it really creates an unintended discouragement because if people start to measure themselves, then am I the one to blame? Am, am I just not handling it well? If God said that I, I can handle this and I don't feel like I am, is it my fault that I'm not handling this well? What's with me? Or the reverse is true as well. It, it, it almost creates Gosh. a humanistic yeah. standpoint of, well, God said I can handle this, so I, I got this. I don't need him in this season because I'm good. Well, and it also creates the side where you begin to re- resent God because he's even given you this because you're failing and you're not actually handling it. And so that resentment builds because we all know that expectations build resentments in us when those expectations are not met. And so it can create a almost a godly anger inside of us because of bad theology. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, so many times and I, I'm, I know there's, there's definitely still within me seasons in my own life where, you know, we are naturally want to believe the gospel of self-reliance and, and we've talked about it here before in different contexts, the, you know, our ability to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, work hard, push through the pain, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. And, you know, again, it just goes back to, it's like, well, the dynamic here is, is that um, all of this is more than we can handle on our own, but, that very reality is what points us to the the significant work of Christ um, who took on death that we could not take on ourselves and yet, and, and over, you know, and, and overcame that. And, you know, so many times we, we just, uh, you know, part of our, part of our Christian life, really a central message of our Christian life is actually, nope. Nope. Um, this stuff is going to kill you. Come and die to yourself. Be and be born again into new life that is that is rooted in the person of Christ, not in our not in our own strength, not in our own not in our own power. And that's not a. I mean, that's just a very. It's a countercultural message. It's also counter a counter self promotion message too, which is. Uh, not always easy to to preach to ourselves or to or to share with others. So. Well, and I think people start saying this because they really don't know how to handle what's going on in the world around them. There's almost an overwhelming feeling, well, why am I why did I get that di- diagnosis? Why did that person die? Why do I have to deal with this loss? Why do I have to deal with this? And in a way, it's it's a self-talk because we have to face the reality that we don't have all the answers, but we live in a sinful world. And when sin is in in and around us, we aren't going to actually be able to overcome because we're not the overcomer. Who's the overcomer? Right. God. 
And I think it's just this whole mentality of, well, why does God allow the sin in this world? Why does God allow? Well, there's sin has consequences. It's like a vicious cycle that goes in circles. And sometimes the innocent victims get hit as well as those that are guilty. So where does where does this where does the idea come from? Like because you said okay, the God will not give you that's not that's not directly in Scripture that God will not give you more than you can handle, but it seems to come from some sort of like alleged place of biblical wisdom or or sure, or somewhere. Sure. So where do you think where how did this get uh, twisted or 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 mixed up along the process? Like where did this come from? Sure, uh, my my opinion on this is First Corinthians ten. 13 uh, specifically, because I think what we've done is we've taken a nuance of this verse, a little bit of this verse, and we've made it say something it never intended. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. 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 No. Now, that's way different than suffering. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Uh, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. And I think that's where it gets confused. God said he won't give you more than you can bear, and there's a truth to that, but it's speaking to temptation, not suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think sometimes we don't set apart those two things. We often think that this is all related to my situation and what I'm going through, and suffering is something that really is, I guess you could say, a reality here in our sin-fallen world for every one of us, and it looks different for all of us. But I think what you said here, and this is what you said, is it's common to mankind. That's why we live in a sinful world. This is common. It happens to all of us. We're all going to be tempted, but we're all going to suffer. So we have to be able to actually put it in the right box. And in those moments, pray pray that the that we would be aware of the of the open door that's provided and again that's a promise to us um I, I do I'm so grateful for the fact that it's like hey whenever these things come you know that you have an open door that has been promised to you there's there's an open door or an open window there is some way you know you might have to do some crawling to get out of it but it's there for you and it's a it's a it's available and and again you know that's God meeting us in the place that we are. Um, but also there's, you know, there is a, an element of accountability there to say, um, it's not like you just get rescued. It's not like you just get rescued out of that situation, right? Cause, because even in, in choosing the way out that God has provided you, um, through, through his spirit, through his son, you're having to make an intentional decision to follow that way. You're, you're having to make an intentional decision to say, okay, there's temptation before me. I know there is a way out, but but that way is a way that I'm going to have to choose. I don't just get beamed out of um, out of a place of temptation. And by the way, if I were just to get beamed out of it um, and quote unquote rescued from it, apart from a, a decision that I have to make, that doesn't actually form my heart. It doesn't actually draw me closer to the person of of Jesus. It just it just rescues me out of my own, like it rescues me out of my own, um, the struggle that I actually have to go through to be formed in, more into the likeness of Christ. Uh, specifically, like, and and we can look at Jesus. Jesus encountered every temptation that we um, that we know, uh, and yet was faithful. God did not rescue him out of those temptations. In fact, you look at like you look at the temptation of Christ, and it's like, well. 
those temptations come to him in potentially some of the weakest moments that like from a human standpoint, I mean, he's been out in the desert. He's been, um, he's been under a lot of, you know, there's a lot of physical challenges that I think the average person would look and say, man, if you're going to, if you're going to fail, if you're going to give in whatever. Uh, and yet it was in those moments that Jesus was faithful, that he was at his seemingly even at his strongest actually, like, which is, I think just so amazing. And, um, so again, it's a, it seems to be part of God's plan, like in our formation and opportunity that we're afforded us, um, that whenever we are tempted, whenever something is in, in front of us that is, is contrary to the purposes of God, uh, we have to make a decision. We, we have to decide whose side we are on and what direction that we're going to go. So that's the difference right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and boy, oh boy, is that, and that's like the, uh, I was just thinking back the other day, the, within the book of Deuteronomy, it's like, it's always like, choose this day whom, you know, whom you'll serve. Uh, there's a way of life and a way of death. Choose this day, the way of life. But there, but like, just be clear. There's always two ways. Like you don't just get the one path. Like, and in, in, it seems that the nature of very nature of God's love is that you do have to choose to follow him, you know? So it's interesting. It's well, context is king, right? And and we have uh, done a pretty good job in our culture of just picking a verse and making it say something it's not intended. But if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians 10, you'll see that Paul's actually given the Corinthian church a history lesson. And he's saying, hey, let's go back and look at what happened when the exile was taking place and uh, they were being led through the wilderness. And it says, hey, God God provided a pillar uh, for you to follow. He provided a way across the sea. He provided you food. He provided you water. But that wasn't enough because people kept sinning. People kept you know, making terrible choices. And he's saying, let's learn from that. They had every ability to make a wise choice, but they didn't. They were tempted and they... They chose poorly. And I like this because it says no temptation is overtaking you. That's not common to man. God is faithful. And that's true when it comes to temptation. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, and I think that's important, when you are, it's not if, it's when, uh, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, let's think about this. This is dealing with temptation. If Paul was writing this regarding suffering as we often apply this, then Paul would discredit himself when he moves on to his very next letter to the same church, to the Corinthians, because in chapter two, in, in book two, second Corinthians chapter one, verses eight and nine, he says, uh, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And I think that's that's critical because Paul's saying we did not think that was going to turn out. But uh, we stopped relying on ourselves. And I think that's key. So I think we should delineate here a little bit what is the difference between temptation and what is the difference between suffering, because we often apply this quote, this cliche to suffering, to suffering and it was never It's not, to be because way. temptation has to do with our own choices. It has to do with us in a situation that we have direct impact on. Mm-hmm. Suffering is what you cannot control. Right. And we just were talking about this even in, I've talked about this with my kids. I've talked about with um, gals that I've talked to 
you only have control of the situation that you have control of. You can't control other people. You can't control other things around you. That's the difference that you, when he says it's common to all mankind, we're going to face things in our lives, situations that come out. Are we going to make choices that are good and turn us to the in direction of God and his promises? Or are we going to make the the left hand, I say the left hand turn because it's going to lead down a, a difficult road and it will have consequences Consequences are a reason that we do not want to allow temptation to overtake us. That's what we've right. we kind of come to that conclusion. Well, then you get into suffering. Suffering has a totally different way about it. It's actually outside of yourself, something that you cannot control. And why? And and so also why suffering can feel. Um, I mean, depending on the person and, and where they are, um, it suffering can feel hopeless because it, at least if even if you're under the illusion that you have some control in the situation there can be there can be the sense of like maybe we can find our way through this but when you're put into a suffering a situation of suffering when the diagnosis comes mm-hmm. and it's not good and you you know you have no way of magically healing yourself right well okay now, now what, what am, what am I, what am I left with? And, and ultimately, I mean, temptation and suffering can be such a, such a formative thing for us, but there's, there's different postures and mindsets that have to be entered into to make the most, to make the most of what those, what those things are. Yeah. As you, as you allude to the diagnosis, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. In the diagnosis that comes back that we don't have control over, and the cliche is used, God will not give you more than you can handle, it really is speaking to our worldview, and it's speaking to our view of God, uh, because we're having a hard time justifying, why would a loving God allow this to happen? And that's where I think we throw in, well, God said he's not going to give us more than we can handle. What is our view of God? But the other is our worldview. If we view this earth, our, our time here, as the end all, then we would have to ask the question, why would he allow this? But this is not the end all. And he's very clear in scripture that we will face troubles and trials that we cannot overcome. But he does this though. He promises that he will walk with us through this journey. Um, So I think that's really the big kicker. And Angie, you said it well. I mean, temptations, things we have some control over. I get to make a choice. The diagnosis or the things that happen to us, um, you know those things we don't have a choice over, uh, but he's he's offered us his presence and his grace, his mercy, his kindness to walk with us in the challenges. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of great lessons that we can learn in our in our sufferings in our life. I've often heard even used um, the words react and respond, and how that we react oftentimes in situations in a negative way, like a temptation or whatever. And that's a quick reaction. And all of a sudden we're dealing with consequences because our attitude, all of that is just the same way. It's, we, we use the word diagnosis or we use something that's outside of us. But what about people in our lives? Because most of the time we all interact with people every day, multiple times a day. And so when we say God cannot give us more than we can handle, he's not going to give us somebody that we can't. <laughs> we all run into yeah. people every day yep. that we feel that overwhelming or that hard to deal with situation and that's what he's saying is and and I honestly I a lot of times don't always think 
before I speak, I'm going to be honest. And so God's telling us that when we respond, he's going to give us an opportunity to get out of that situation when we take time to respond and take time to use his way of working with people and relationships. But I also like what you said, um, Chris, on um, that Sunday when you gave this was in James, because James had a totally different take when it came to suffering. And um, he he had a different uh, voice. He was almost like a coach saying, you know what? Take joy. You're going to get trials. It's going to come, but take joy because they're going to be there for you. And when you get those trials, you know, guess what? You're going to begin to endure and you're going to, your faith is going to be perfected. This isn't about you. It's about getting you closer to be like Jesus. I can just see James as like a coach saying that to somebody. Coach Angie would see that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean that in a good way though, because that's a, that's really what our faith is about, you know? Yeah. Is coaching those in those situations to look at and say, you're going to make this. It's going to be hard, but it's the end result. And how many of us, I mean, and gosh, it's such a king. That's like a, like it's an upside, upside down kingdom perspective when it's like, hey, when you're tempted, oh my gosh, what a great opportunity. Let's see the silver lining to this. Like what an opportunity for you to become more in Christ, for you to, to see him operate in your life in a, in a new way. I know I don't like I just sometimes it's like when there's a when there's a temptation. I I recently like there's a I had a I had a temptation recently to respond to somebody uh in a let's just we'll just say in a, in a way that was not loving or or Christ-like. Like I could feel like I could feel it like welling up within me or whatever. And and I know in those moments you're just like you're just like I just I don't want to feel this way anymore and I'm I'm a little bit upset that I'm as upset I as I am about whatever the issue might be. And I think just to flip flip the switch a little bit on that and to say I'm being off I'm being afforded an opportunity here to become more like Christ that when I can feel this temptation coming up instead to submit it not hold on to it but to submit it to to Jesus himself, knowing um, that, you know, this is not God putting this temptation in front of me, but instead rather that, um, that I can be formed, that I can, that I can like, it's, it's a, it's kind of like a gift. It's like an interesting gift that's been given to me in, in kind of an unexpected way. And that's the, the danger is I think temptation so many times comes to us in like a split, like a split second. Like you kind of realize you're like, Oh, here I, you know, here I am. And, you, we tend to make these reactionary. Like if we haven't sort of trained our mind and our heart and our soul for like done the training, which again, to uh, I like this coaching metaphor because that's the, that's what it is, right? Like there is a an intentional training. If we have done that, then our natural our natural responses to it are different. If not, we enter into those moments and we go just so quickly. Like we we revert back to old behavior, or we go so quickly to. Um, to options that are not honoring and glorifying to God. And then we look back, we're like, golly, what, why, why? Which is why, why, why did I do that? And where did it come from? And um, there is a sense in which, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's practice almost. Really. It is. But I think, Joel, you, you said temptation, but I feel it's also the same with suffering because we so often, we're going to face it. And that's what James is saying. Trials, it, it could be temptation. It can be suffering, but suffering comes on us without our, our choosing. 
Well, James says it super clear, too, as to what God's role in all these things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's saying, hey, listen, this is not God tempting you. So when it comes to temptation, this is not God. And yet at the same point, when it's suffering, he's saying, count it all joy. This is an opportunity to mature in the faith and your relationship with God. And so identifying God's role is critical in this. Uh, for some reason, when my daughter was eight, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that ballpark, my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law thought it was wise to give her a, a hamster for Christmas. Uh I see where this is going. Horrible idea. <laughs> and and within the hour, the hamster was running in its wheel. And Brendan came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Dad, I think I killed Fluffy, oh. the hamster. And I'm like, what? I mean, it's not even been an hour. Wow. And this thing's already dead. I said, what'd you do? She goes, Dad, I didn't see that it was in its wheel. I came by and I flipped the wheel as fast as I could. And the hamster just went, and it's not moving. But see, I think, luckily, uh, Fluffy he just was had a probably just out. knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think sometimes we get this idea in our life that God has us in the hamster wheel, and he's just like, <laughs> let's, let's see, see what happens. Let's see what happens Flip. now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and see how this goes. And then he's just going to stop the wheel and just watch us go. And that's not God. But there are things in our life that make us feel like we're in the hamster wheel just flipping all around. That's life. And I think God says, hey, I'm walking with you through yeah. these times. I think that's where good theology, sound theology is so key. And that's why I think this misquoted series helps us gain that perspective that maybe I'm not always on the right track here about who God is and what, he's, what, it, what he is to me. Yeah. You know, if, if, if in fact— uh, God will not give you more than you can handle is a true statement. Then I think we have to ask, what was Jesus doing in the garden, right? Because he was even saying, whoa, I'm, I, I am stressed. The burden of this is a massive burden to bear, sweating drops of blood. And what does he say to, to God the Father? Hey, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I can't do this. Yeah. And even Jesus, Son of God, is saying, there's more than I can handle. Yeah. Wow. Well, and he says, why have you forsaken me later on? All of a sudden, yep. it's like too much. It's overwhelming. And on the cross, and even in the Psalms, like you referenced that, that how many times did the psalmist say, Lord, where are you? I mean, it was a it's a gut-wrenching cry to say, I'm overwhelmed here. I'm in the desert. I'm, I'm dying here. My enemies are surrounding me. You got to show up, God. And the thing I love about the Psalms is, and, and I didn't even go on. I don't think to to reiterate this further. Is yeah, many of the Psalms, the first third, two thirds <laughs> yeah. are are written like they're pitching a fit. Like why? Why is this happening? You cannot tell me that you're going to let our enemies do this to us. But I always like the last third, and sometimes we don't read the last third, uh, if not all the time, most of the time, because um, I don't want to misquote myself. Yeah. If not all the time, most of the time, it comes back to saying, well. But here's the deal. I'm going to trust you. And isn't that the reality? And that's where we should come back to. Right. And even at the end of Jesus's song, like I really have the strong theory of, you know, when he's quoting from the Psalms, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you continue to read on in that Psalm, which I think is Psalm 22, I think. We're not there yet. We're studying the Psalms in Mott. I'm going to, so I'm going to. We'll get there. I, I hope I'm not misquoting. But when he, when he goes through and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you do read on, you then read, it, but in in spite of all of this, God has accomplished, he has finished it. He has accomplished what he set out. He is victorious. And it's and it's exactly, exactly that of 
for all of us, the human experience is to say, and I love it. I love in the inspired, authoritative, reliable word of God that, that, that book includes those complaints like that, that there is room in our Holy scripture for those, those realities. And, and I want you, I mean, all of you listening to hear us loud and clear. Um, it is a normal human reaction to ask those questions, to feel that pain, to, to see, to see those things. You're in good company historically, according to the psalmist and and other writers as well. Um, it's just a matter of what you do next, right? It's my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's also, and yet I see you working in these ways. I see you victorious. I see you as who you are in the, in the big picture. And that's the cool thing about God's story. It tells us about him, but how many flawed individuals does he use in the Bible to tell us more about who he is and what he can do for us and walk us through temptation and suffering? Guys, let me put the bow on this podcast. Here's what I know. We're going to have seasons in our life when we don't feel like we can handle things. Uh, We have to do our part to rest in reality that God is faithful to meet us right where our suffering is, is taking place. When he does meet us in our suffering, we learn what it means to depend on him. And I think that's so critical. We uh, maybe, maybe the best thing suffering does for us is it pushes our reliance upon him and not ourselves. When seasons of life become unmanageable, and they will, we need to be willing to walk alongside one another, bearing each other's burdens. And I think that's why the church needs to do a better job of caring for one another and walking in those tough moments of life with people. But here's what I know. God will, in fact, give us more than we can handle on our own. So we have to develop our faith and place our dependence upon him to sustain us in these seasons of suffering that we will face. Amen and amen. Friends, thanks for joining us again uh, for another episode. Well, we're excited to say we've got a we've got a, a surprise guest uh, coming up soon for a, a bonus episode, so we're super glad to share that with you. Uh, stay tuned to our uh, our social media accounts. We always like to give an update as to when new uh, episodes are, are dropping. We will continue also every single Thursday to uh, release another episode, but uh, we're just looking forward to continuing on in this misquoted series, and we've got some... Uh, as the season goes on here, we've, we're, we're just cooking up more ideas here. We, we really want this podcast to be a resource to you to uh, just help walk alongside of you um, to kind of flesh out uh, deeper conversations and uh, also just encourage you along the way. So thanks for joining us. We look forward to joining you next time. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.